They're just little brew pubs. They don't bottle or anything. You mm. have to take a growler and bring some home with you. Anyway, welcome to the Credo Covenant Fellowship. We are a Reformed Baptist podcast. My name is J.D. Warren, and as usual, I'm joined by Billy Linhart. Hello. We wanted to spend a little bit of time while we could talking about the Second London Confession. Uh, this week, we wanted to talk about the chapter... Uh, on Christian liberty and how we uh, approach liberty um, confessionally as Reformed Baptists and more importantly as as Christians, how Christians should approach Christian liberty. I don't think it would be wrong, especially if you know that a man does drink, to ask him, how often do you drink? When you do drink, how much do you drink? I, I was asked that. Uh, before I, before while, when I was up for the diaconate at, at our church, I was asked, you know, do you have an issue with drinking? Yeah. I, I will say this, that that is not the only issue. Yeah. Uh, I went to a school not too long ago, uh, a college that I used to make the joke that the proximity of a man to the president of that institution could very easily be determined by the size of his belt. <laughs> And what does that say about that institution? And about, I mean, obviously, you can't speak to an entire institution based on a few men. But, you know, those men do represent that institution. And when when they are the ones who are most commonly seen around the higher-ups of that institution, you know, it makes you wonder, do they truly have self-control where food is concerned? Yeah. They can put down the bottle, but they can't put down the fork. That's correct. And it's funny. I mean, you hear preaching in these con- in these contexts where you know somebody will be preaching really heavily on alcohol, and everybody will be hooping and hollering and clapping, and then the moment that they switch the subject to food, yeah, or some other indulgence, yeah. sports, yeah, TV, whatever, money, suddenly it gets really quiet in the room. Yeah, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah, and I think that that's that's an indictment. Yeah, and, and even on the flip side, I mean, you you may have men who are who are gluttonous. Yeah, there's also men who are so obsessed with health that that shows that they are not free that that they are in bondage to some sort of ideal of what their body should look like or what is healthy that they're intoxicated. I certainly don't struggle with that. 
<laughs> well, I, I have heard of some who do, and, and yeah. it's just pervasive in the culture. Yeah. Um, like you were saying, talking about non-GMO, gluten-free. It's really funny seeing what is advertised as gluten-free now. Well, duh, it's gluten-free. It's not made out of wheat. Yeah. It's pretty simple. I, I saw a, a, a sign that said... Uh, Cocaine, heroin, and another drug are all gluten-free. That doesn't yeah. mean it's good for your health. Yeah. And I thought it was, it was making a point by using hyperbole, but yeah, we need to be careful that we're not so... And, you know, we were talking about organic foods, and yeah. you were telling me that organic basically just means you don't use chemicals and, and you know, things like that. Yeah. You know, different treatments and everything. And it's like, well, there's lots of different foods that don't use those things. So what you're telling me is, is you just slap the word organic on those things that you don't naturally use yeah. those chemicals on. Yeah. And now you can just up the price by two bucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And well, so, Because it's trendy. <laughs> and, and think about this, too. Just think about it. 10, 15 years ago, yeah. what was all the rage when it came to, to grains? Whole wheat. Whole wheat, yeah. Now we've discovered that whole wheat has gluten in it. Multi-grain. No more wheat. No more wheat. <laughs> it's, it's really No more silly. grains. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and and I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be careful, but these things shouldn't, shouldn't govern us if they don't have to. Yeah. If we have a legitimate sickness mm-hmm. where our body breaks down because we partake of gluten. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's wise to not partake of gluten. Um, well, I'll throw this out there, play devil's advocate. Then, what about I buffet my body so that you know? I mean, Paul talks about buffeting your body. So, no. what about that? I mean, should we not buffet our bodies? I mean, and, and, and that gets us right back to our Colossians passage, does it not? I mean, we're talking about ascetics, yeah. a, a set, people that are into you know just this rough harsh treatment of their bodies. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, getting back to that passage, I was going to point something out about that passage in Colossians chapter 2. Yeah. If you go all the way to the end of the chapter, the very last uh, paragraph of that chapter, I'm sorry, the the very last verse of that chapter, he says, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. You know, Buffeting our bodies against fleshly indulgence is not something that's looked down upon in the Bible. We no. should guard against fleshly indulgence. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way that we go about it that's the problem. Yeah. You know, I think that's what Paul's getting at. He's yeah. saying, you know, you should be you should have gospel reasons for not pursuing fleshly indulgence. You should be relying upon the Holy Spirit. You should be relying upon the ordinary means of grace yeah. to keep you from indulging in these fleshly indulgences. You should be relying on the Word of God yeah. to keep you from indulging in these fleshly indulgences. Yeah. But these people were relying on worldly asceticism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And I was just going to say the flip side of alcohol, too, is I, I know people who are so controlled by a substance hmm. that haven't touched the dr- a drop of it ever. Yeah. But they're so controlled by it, there's fear. Yeah. And so they're bound by it. And so it has mastery over them. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not truly free from it. 
and then they want to make anybody else who does partake of it feel guilty mm. for not feeling the way they do. And it can be very subtle, too. Yeah. I've heard many men who are respected yeah. say from the pulpit, I've never had a drop of alcohol in my life. Sounds like a very innocent statement. But when you say that enough times to a certain congregation, what's the message that's conveyed? Yeah. You should also never have a drop of alcohol. Yeah, this is yeah. the ideal, and if you don't, and if you don't ascend and meet this ideal, yeah. there's something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's it's somebody setting up a standard that's mm-hmm. not a biblical standard. Right. It's being led captive by by somebody else's uh, thoughts. We find the actual uh, it's implicit faith is yeah. the term I was looking for. It's requiring an implicit faith in somebody. Um, it, it's binding the conscience where the conscience should be let free. Yeah. And okay, I'm going to go into an area of uh, much controversy. But the reason why it's controversial is also the reason why I think we need to address it. And I think it's controversial because of the culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. And that is the issue of alcohol. We already briefly touched on it earlier. Yeah. But I think the reason why this always gets brought up when yeah. we talk about religious liberty is because it's still a very big battle yeah. within what the Western church. Yeah. There, I mean, it in many churches... In Europe and in, in other countries, this isn't as big of an issue as it is here in America. Yeah. You know, we had uh, major abuses early on in the early American experience where yeah. men were just, they weren't even coming home. They were, you know, passing out in the gutters. Yeah. As a result, the women came about, uh, the, the, the wives, you know, they, they protested, yeah. they fought, and... The result was teetotalism. Yeah. You know, the teetotalers came around and started preaching that any consumption of alcohol, any production of alcohol was evil. Yeah. And that has lasted to this day, yeah. and it has resulted in all kinds of craziness, yeah. even uh, in the 1920s with the Prohibition era, yeah. where alcohol was completely prohibited in the yet United was, States. Yet it was highly rampant. Yeah. What is your brown man? What makes your brown man? Said a gal to her man, so miserable. You look so winning when you is grinning. With all your gold teeth visible. But lately you feel threatened to but ride out and cry. Does your dog fret you? What has upset you? Oh, 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 
You know, we shouldn't be surprised that, you know, though it hasn't been such an issue in other countries, it is an issue here in the United States, just like racism and uh, and slavery. You know, you, you talk about slavery in other countries, the biblical understanding of slavery, and they don't hear what we hear when we hear that word slavery. So we talk about alcohol in other in other countries. They don't hear the same thing that we hear in this in the United States. Yeah. So the question is: is how to deal with this issue of alcohol? Yeah. It's is not it, just alcohol; it's substance abuse. Substance abuse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, drugs, food, yeah. even prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. That, that's something we so often forget too. Yeah. Those are substances that affect the way we think. Um, so we, we should partake of those things wisely. Yeah. So do, I mean, you've already answered the question, but, you know, maybe you can elaborate on it. Do we have, as Christians, do we have the liberty to partake in alcohol? Yes, but we don't have abject liberty. And, and I've got written down, Paul talks about this in First Corinthians mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay. Let me let's go find our text here. He gets almost sarcastic and First Corinthians seems to be a, a giant sarcastic response to to um, to the Corinthian church. Uh, First Corinthians well just the entirety of First Corinthians eight, but especially First Corinthians nine. Mm-hmm. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Um, Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. In verse 19 he says, For though I am free from all men, this is talking about his liberty, his use of liberty, and specifically his, uh, his decision to not partake of the liberty of taking money from the church you know the, the right. ch- he has liberty to to receive payment from the church yeah. but he chooses not to right he says for though i am free from all men i have made myself a slave to all so that i may win more you know and this is this passage right here is so often just ripped from its context and used by you know the Acts twenty nine yeah, guys, it's prag- it becomes pragmatic. Yeah, I'll do whatever I can. To, and, yeah, yeah, it's all about just you know whatever. It's 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 almost used as as a as a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It's almost used as a a license. Yeah. To do whatever you want, whereas yeah. Paul's making the exact opposite argument here. Yeah. He's saying I have the liberty to do what I want. Yeah. And I don't do it. Yeah. That's so true says, liberty. Yes. And he says, so he says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all men, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I may win Jews. That means he didn't eat meat. Yeah. He uh, he practiced the holy days. You know, he observed all things that were prerequisite for him being a Jew. Yeah. And he did that. To win the Jews. Right. Right? Yeah. And then he says, To those who are under the law, as under the law, 
though not being myself under the law. And that just goes right back to, you know, him participating in the ceremonial law. He submitted himself. That's correct, yeah. I mean, to the point where he even took Timothy and had him circumcised so that he wouldn't be a stumbling block to the Jews whenever they found out that he was half Jewish. Yeah. Right? Even though Timothy didn't have to be circumcised. He didn't have to be. But... He didn't want to become a stumbling That's correct. Um, So that I might win those under the law, those who are under law, to those who are without the law as without the law. They're not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ. So, you know, he he didn't forsake, in order to to appeal to those who are outside of the law, he didn't forsake the moral law. He's still under the moral law of God. But he became as one without the the ceremonial law, without the civil law. Right. You know, he he was he didn't act like a Jewish yeah. Jewish man. He wasn't he under the co- covenant of circumcision. He was under the covenant of grace. Yeah, he ate meat that maybe it wasn't kosher. Yeah, you know. And so, I mean, we see here that you know, in all of these aspects, you know, Paul had a pretty firm grasp on the limitations of his liberty. Yeah. And so, I mean, me personally, I try to be careful. If I know something offends someone, then I try not to even discuss it. Yeah. I I have very dear brothers in Christ who don't partake alcohol. Yeah. And when I have talked about it, the joke was made that just drinking one beer means that I'm a drunk. Hmm. You drunks are going to... Or you guys are going to get drunk. It's like, well, no, we're not. Yeah. But that I know that's his view of it. Yeah. And so I just try not to even talk about it around him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, there's in, several people that I know like that. But they they know that I drink. I just don't talk about it around them. Yeah. Because I don't think it's that important. I would rather talk about spiritual things that I know will encourage and edify them. Mm-hmm. Than things that will cause strife and division. Yeah, and that's one of those things that, because God's law is not explicit on, then I just, it's not even that important. Yeah, but when it comes to stuff like homosexuality, yeah, you know, God's law is pretty clear on the sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. So that needs to cause strife and division. Yeah. Because it would have the inverse effect. To allow somebody to indulge in that is not encouraging and is not edifying. Yeah. It's destructive. Yeah. So I need to talk about it and I need to intervene. Mm-hmm. And I would argue also that if, if you do think that your brother has a faulty understanding of Scripture, the ideal is not to um, confront him with his faulty understanding by exercising your liberty in his face yeah. in such a way that you're not confronting him with what you you and he both agree is the authority that you're to hold to, which yeah. is the scripture. Yeah. When when it comes to say say you do believe that your brother has a very, you know, legalistic view of alcohol. Then I would argue, instead of, you know, drinking alcohol in front of him, making crude jokes, maybe giving him a hard time because he doesn't partake in the same liberty that you partake in, rather than doing those things, appeal to his affirmation that Scripture is his authority. Yeah. 
and take him to the scriptures. Yeah. Sit down with him as a brother in the Lord yeah. and show him from the word of God where you have come to your conviction. Yeah. Ultimately, if he does believe that the word of God is, is authoritative, then, then he will have to concede. And if not, then at least you've, you've taken the effort, you've been patient with him, you've been yeah. loving. And, uh, and, and you lay gone. down your liberty yeah. for his sake. That's correct. And that's love. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There are churches in our area that I know of personally that you know after a after like a Tuesday night men's Bible study they'll go out to the local pub together and you know personally I have major problems with that yeah you know uh, because for certain people that excludes fellowship yeah you know it's it's an actual church function oh really you know I mean if you're if you are you know getting together you know, like we are yeah. with the Credo Covenant Fellowship, which is yeah. inner church. It's just, you know, a couple of guys that yeah. are of like mind that go to different churches, you know, and we're just getting together and having a, a conversation, yeah. you know, about different things, you know, and we want to partake in certain liberties that we agree on. That's not a big deal. Yeah. But whenever you take all of the men in a particular church and say, okay, we're going to get together and have a Bible study, yeah. and then afterward we're going to go and have... About have some beer at a, a local pub or a bar and grill. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you, by necessity, are, are excluding a lot of people without really. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people would would just say, you know, without because they don't want to. A lot of these guys, they they don't want to be seen as legalistic, and they don't want to they don't want to be overt in their opposition to their ecclesiastical authorities. So they're not going to stand there and argue. That you guys, oh, I don't have this liberty and you guys don't have this liberty. Most of them are just going to go home. Yeah. And they're going to miss out on all that great fellowship. Yeah. You know, so I would argue if you're going to have a... Or, a, or all the guys are going to go to the pub yeah. and miss out on the great fellowship with, the with him who went home. That's right. Everybody misses out. Yeah, everybody does. Not just the one. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I would just say, you know, if you're going to have... A church-wide function, where every single person in the church is invited. Maybe wait until it's just you and the friends that that you know have that liberty before you partake. You know, wait till a few guys have gone home and that kind of thing, and then then maybe break it out. You know, but yeah, I mean, I I don't think that it's necessary that at every function you you have to always be doing that. You know, I think you have to be wise about your surroundings and about those who are around you, and that just shows love for your brothers. Yeah. You know, Paul had full liberty yeah. to be paid by the church, yeah. and he forsook his liberty because he knew that yeah. some people would stumble at that. Yeah. Didn't mean that that, that it was right of them yeah. to stumble at that. Yeah. They had a false understanding of ecclesiology, yeah. they had a false understanding of theology, yeah. and they needed to be educated. In that area, but did Paul make it his goal to necessarily educate them in that moment at that time? No, no, yeah. no. He saw that the way to love them was to mm-hmm. concede and give himself up for them. Yeah. Well, one last thing I wanted to touch on. Um, not trying to take over your podcast because no, I know that I know that you're leading this one, but. Yeah. Um, I went to an institution where they said that you had to dress a certain way. 
And they said you couldn't smoke cigarettes or any kind of tobacco. Yeah. Or chew. Yeah. They said you couldn't drink alcohol. Yeah. And there were a whole list of other rules that they had for their students. Yeah. I don't want to say I was confronted by church members at the time. Uh, these church members have since left, so I feel like I have liberty to, to mention this. But um, there were some church members that had issue with that, and they said that was legalistic. Mm-hmm. Of that institution. I, I really wanted to phrase this as a question, but I, I also really want to answer the question, so I hope you don't mind if I yeah, kind of take this into a monologue real quick. But from my perspective in looking at that situation, in, in the state of Texas, minors have the right to drink as long as they have a, a guardian, a guardian, a legal guardian yeah. that is with them. While they're drinking. Yeah. So, knowing that, if a high school, a private high school, yeah. said you will not graduate from our high school if you do not abide, if you do not abide by our uh, dress code, mm-hmm. by our uh, smoking policies and our drinking policies, is that private institution, is that private institution behaving legalistically? Because they don't want their children, the, their students, going out and going to parties and drinking with their, you know, their adult guardians and that kind of thing, you know, before tests. I don't think so. so. You you could say, in one sense, yes, they're being legalistic because they're going beyond, but. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to set a standard, an expectation yes. of they want of what they want their students. To appear mm-hmm. to the public or whoever interacts with that institution, and so the institution has the right mm-hmm. to lay down certain expectations. And I think if you go to that institution, send a child to that institution, belong to that institution, you are then binding your conscience to their rules mm-hmm. because you're saying by going here. I'm submitting myself to their authority, mm-hmm. and so I think it's a I think it's fine for them. They can't impose that on another institution, and they can't impose that on anybody who does not belong, send money, attend that institution. One school can't tell another school how they ought to run their school, mm-hmm. but anybody who attends that school is responsible to obey the expectations of that particular school. And, and that's just part of doing business with you know, private institutions in the world, yeah. right? When I go to Chick-fil-A to buy a chicken sandwich, there are certain rules, that are ex- there are certain things that are expected of me as a customer yeah. that if I behave outside those bounds, I should expect that I will be removed from the premises. If you break um, down the door on a Sunday and start making your own chicken... <laughs> they're going to kick you out. But wait, what if I leave cash in the drawer? You know, it's not like you, I'm stealing. You, they had the door locked. <laughs> <laughs> and you trespassed. Uh, you know, I mean, if you came across a key, you're stealing because you were not given yeah. uh, that key. So, so there are certain things that we're bound to based on the fact that we're doing business with, a, with an institution in the world. And, and that, that just comes with the territory, you know. I mean, yeah. if, if a man wants to be president of the United States, he has to take an oath, whether he holds to that oath or doesn't, 
that he's going to uphold the law of the land. Yeah. Our um, president doesn't do that. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I, I meant to just imply it, but, yeah. you know. I anyways. said it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was fully aware of that, and I had complete self-control in saying that uh, that statement. Yeah. There are certain things that we just we do that we, we enter into contract with these you know institutions, knowing yeah. that we're that there are certain expectations of us. And here's what I would say: you know what what institution in their right mind wouldn't have certain rules yeah. and guidelines for how one is to conduct themselves? What I found in my experience in this life is, no matter how lax your rules are, there will always be. People, even in even in Christian institutions, there will always be people who push those boundaries. Yeah. You know, I mean, the school that I went to, there was a no open sh- open toe shoe policy. Yeah. There was a no hats in the classroom policy. There was a yeah. no shorts policy. You had to yeah. wear pants. Yeah, and I'm sure it was based on multiple incidents that happened over the years that they came to help have these policies. Yeah. Um, but there were still people that would show up wearing hats in the classroom yeah. and, you know, wearing open-toed shoes and, yeah. and those kinds of things. You know, there's always going to be people that push the boundaries. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, as an institution, I think it would be wrong to say we set these policies because we believe that it's sinful for you to do otherwise. But I don't think it's necessarily wrong for them to appeal to the light of nature. Yeah. And just common wisdom to say we're we're going to institute these policies because if we don't, yeah. then yeah. we're afraid that your your grades will suffer, yeah. or we'll, we're afraid that we'll lose control in the classroom or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. Now, granted, the institution I did go to, there were some people in leadership that did say that they believed that some of these policies, if you violated them, even if they weren't policies, yeah. drinking alcohol. Even if you didn't sign a piece of paper saying you weren't going to drink alcohol, if you drink alcohol, you're in sin. Yeah. And I think that's wrong. That's that's a pig-headed understanding of... But I think if they laid that out clearly beforehand, Mm -hmm. if they said, if you go to this institution, this institution believes that it is sinful to do this, Mm -hmm. then at least they're laying out in front of you what they believe. Mm-hmm. And so for you to go to that institution and then, even though if you think it's legalistic, still break those policies, it's still yeah. on you because you knew what they believed. Now, if they didn't state that, yeah. and then they came to you later and said, hey, we think we think this is inappropriate, then you would have every, uh, every right to say, nobody told me. Mm-hmm. I did not know that that was a policy of this school. And... The Bible is clear on this. I am free to do so. Mm-hmm. Then they could go back and change things. And then you would have to make a decision. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just use my case at work. I mean, I work at a business that is, it's a modern business. It seeks to make the, the customer experience as positive and welcoming and inclusive as it can be. Uh, it's based in San Francisco. It started in San Francisco before the sexual revolution uh, in the late 50s. My institution sells alcohol. Mm -hmm. It sells stuff for the home. Mm -hmm. It sells furniture. 
We sell beds. We have plenty of homosexuals that frequent our stores. Mm-hmm. As an employee, I am bound to the policies of that company saying that we will not discriminate mm-hmm. based on sexual orientation. So a homosexual walks in, wants to buy a bedroom, uh, a, a bed for their bedroom, mm-hmm. for them and their partner to sleep on. I'm, I'm bound to sell that bed. Now, and I've had to work this out in my mind because I know what they're doing with that bed is sinful. Yeah. But I'm not participating and celebrating with them in what they're going to do with that bed. Yeah. They have come to me and they have said, we like this product, we feel this is a good product, that's a fair price. Uh-huh. And I say, here you go, I'll take your money. Yeah. I've, I've offered you this product at a fair price. Yeah. Now what you do with it is now not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's You've taken possession of it, it's your responsibility to use it correctly. And you will answer for how you use it. Yeah. And so yeah. that's how I work it out in my mind. On the flip side, you have people whose conscience will not allow them to sell at least certain products yeah. to uh, people who are using those products for certain purposes. Yeah. And let me let me get to a very specific instance, which is yeah. the case up in Colorado recently with the oh. baker yeah. who was fined yeah. and told that he must sell wedding cakes yeah. to homosexuals. Yeah. And he also must take a uh, a a reconditioning class where yeah. he he's told how how to how to think about these things. Yeah. Sensitivity course. Yes. That is much different than what you're doing. Yeah. When you sell a wedding cake or when you sell a photography service to a couple who is getting, quote unquote, married, a homosexual couple who's getting, you know, so-called married. When you do that, uh, you are entering into a celebratory uh, public celebratory yeah. contract with that couple. Yeah. And so for a baker or a photographer to say that they cannot in their in their conscience yeah. re- rectify that with their understanding of scripture. Yeah. I would argue they have full rights for civil disobedience in that in that instance. Yeah. Because I don't think the state has the right to bind their conscience yeah. on that on that topic. Yeah. And- that's that, I, in my yeah. view, that's a complete violation of church and state. Yeah, and I and I agree. And and what needs to happen is they need to be free to service who they would like to service. Mm-hmm. And if people stop showing up to the bakery, yeah, then they go out of business. Yeah, and that's if you're offering a quality product, you're going to have enough people who just show up because it's a good product. Unless you live in Sodom and Gomorrah, well, you know. Yeah. Well, then he probably needs to move out of Colorado and come down here to yeah. Texas. Then, then you know... Don't move into the city, though, because cities in Texas are totally different than the country. But that's a completely different topic. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, last thing that I wanted to say before we close out um, is I, I, I hold to a view that um, not only do we have the freedom, the liberty to exercise our Christian liberty... But I would argue that we also have the liberty to not yeah. exercise Christian liberty. Yeah. So if you go to a church where 
it seems like everybody is partaking in a certain liberty that you don't cannot in good conscience partake in, or you just don't see the wisdom in it. Yeah. Maybe you don't think it's sinful, but you just don't think it's wise yeah. to partake in that particular liberty. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah, don't. Yeah. And and I think that anybody that would push that on anybody, that's just wrong. You know, if that person, for whatever reason, I mean, unless they're saying it's sinful, if they're saying, if they're telling you that they think your exercise of that Christian liberty is sinful, then yeah, that's a problem. But if they're just refraining, back off. It's not your place, in my opinion, to impose on them that they must partake in this particular liberty. Yeah. Yeah, you're free. You have to. (laughs) Yeah. That's, no. Because that's just imposing another bondage on yeah. that person. Yeah, if you must, you're not free. Yeah. Well, that has been a very good discussion. Um, Christian liberty is one of those that we'll be talking about until Christ comes again and we are finally in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. And, and it's interesting, at the Lord's Supper... Mm-hmm. Speaking of the, es- the the final days, the last days, yeah. Jesus told his disciples, I will no longer drink of this cup with you until I drink of it again with you in the kingdom. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to have Welches in the new heaven, new earth. I, I somewhat yeah. doubt it. Yeah. But I think that there will be a day when he who afforded us this Christian liberty will condescend to the new earth and partake of it with us freely and without sin Mm -hmm. on our behalf as well as his uh, in glory in glory and all the glory will be to God and that's another thing that we we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that Christian liberty ultimately ought to always be done with an eye to the glory of God yeah I, I think that was the it was threefold the way my wife explained it to me, the way she was she was taught. Is it lawful? Is it wise? Is it to God's glory? Amen. And that's the, the ultimate thing. All things should be done to his glory. Uh, if it obscures his glory in any way, then we need to do whatever we can to pursue the glory of God. And again, if that means laying down my liberty for the sake of another then God is glorified. Um, and, and again, I, I was saying, I, I long for that day where we can we can drink the cup with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not because we can say, oh, see, we were right. Here's, yeah. here's alcoholic wine. No, it's because there will be no more sin. That's right. And just to, to have unity with our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. That every wall of partition that separates us, that separates the Baptists from the Presbyterians and and the, the teetotalers from the the partakers, yeah. whatever that's separating us is, is can be finally done away with, and we'll be able to just right. worship God together. You know, there's a, a famous statement that's attributed to Charles Spurgeon where he said, "I have no doubt that there will be many Arminians in heaven." No. Yeah. They just won't know how they got there. <laughs> um, and I always like to twist that and say, you yeah. know, I think there will be many Calvinists in hell. Yeah. 
and they won't know how they got there. Yeah. So I, I really think it's important that we understand that having all your theological ducks in a row, yeah. having a proper understanding of Christian liberty, yeah. all these different things, they don't they don't amount to a hill of beans. Yeah. When we stand before God on Judgment Day, the only thing that's going to matter does He know me? No. Christ said, "There will be many on that day who will say to me, Lord, Lord, yeah. and I will say to them, Depart from me." Yeah. Worker of iniquity, iniquity hmm. for I never knew you. Yeah. So you can know all kinds of things about God. Yeah. You can be correct about all kinds yeah. of things about God. Ultimately, your knowledge is not what matters. What yeah. matters is does God know yeah. you yeah. intimately, yeah. personally? Yeah. Yeah, and ultimately we have to just rest on Christ. That's right. Again, it's all of faith. We're, we can't see it. We know it's there. We just have to cling as tight as we can to those promises. Amen. Well, you have been listening to the Credo Covenant Fellowship, where we seek to enter cultural conversation from a Reformed Baptist perspective. Uh, as always, you can find us on the interwebs. We are on Twitter, at uh, Credo Cove Fellows. Uh, we're on Facebook, so find us over there at the Credo Covenant Fellowship. We have our own website called credocovenant.com, and our email address is credocov at gmail.com. In any way you want to communicate with us, uh, please let us know, and we will be happy uh, to communicate uh, back with you. Um, we, we look forward to seeing you all uh, next week, and until then... May God uh, keep you in his grace and in his mercy. Goodbye. Goodbye.